Hello, everybody. We are Matt and Kevin, and welcome to Season 3 of the Believe Overwatch League podcast from the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Please like, rate, and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us on all social media at Believe in OWL and at Believe.com. This week, we look at the Overwatch 2 PvP Showcase and the Developer Reddit AMA. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to this week's gameplay episode of the Believe in Overwatch League podcast. Hope you have all been great. We've got the June joust back, which means another four weeks of tournament. Um, this week, we have reinstated the hero bands into the league. But before we get into how other people are playing the game uh how have you been kevin how's video gaming been for you uh it's been it's been pretty fun uh, i'll give you that there's uh i've been playing a lot of pokemon competitive i've been climbing my way up the ranks um i hit a wall so now i just have to to regrind figure out what i'm gonna do i have to step back and uh work on the game plan um other than that i've been watching a friend of mine play mass effect uh the the new uh there was like a remastered edition that he's playing through so i've been i've been watching that and making memes in his chat so uh that's been pretty fun um yeah how how about you matt how's everything going on your end it's been going okay i played overwatch a couple days ago to get the uh, honest skin um i haven't played much otherwise it's been a busy week i've been thinking about getting uh village resident evil village just to uh just to have it just to play it um everywhere i went was out of stock so i guess i was forced to save money so there's that i've also been considering getting the mass effect collection mm -hmm. because like i played it when i so there's a period of time when i was back in like high school or so when i was like playing my xbox and i didn't know a game to get so i just buy games and use use GameStop as like a rental service. I'd play it until like, what, the week after you, you have like a week when you buy a pre-owned game to like try the game and return it. So I would just do that for a couple of weeks. I think eventually I settled on Red Dead Redemption, but like Mass Effect was one of the games that I uh, I picked up to play. I think I got into the second one. I, I finished the first one. I got into the second one. I don't remember anything about it, <laughs> but I remember that it, it was interesting because it's one of the first games that I played that was like really um that really emphasized the the consequences of your actions and like the morality system. Yeah, it was uh it, it's pretty interesting in terms of like the the routes that you can take and when I was I'm watching my friend, they have like that customizable like face thing. You could like mess with Shepard. He made like the most ugly character possible. <laughs> so like his eyes are buggy he's got like a big bottom lip and he's just like staring you down when you don't have like when you're trying to select your option of like what what are you going to do he's just standing there like oh god what is happening why am i like this right it is mm -hmm. it's just great to look at so let's uh let's get into the gameplay section this week i mean this week's been a very fairly busy week for me um I did not get to watch as much as I wanted to. I just know that there were a lot of upsets. Um, again, this was the first week of the June Joust. We've now instituted the hero bands into this tournament. 
So this week's bands are Tracer, Sombra, Reinhardt, and Zenyatta. Um, again, I didn't feel like we needed to really ban anybody. I felt like there was enough variety in, in compositions and styles and gameplay in the main melee tournaments that we didn't need to. Um, another take on this was from ZP who said, like, yes, we have variation now, but we don't know whether that variation will be as healthy in the future. Instituting the hero bands now is a good way to ensure that it's it's there that we're enforcing some variation and that like we don't have to come in later and and fix it when it's too late um do you think it would have been better it's better that they started after the may melee kevin or do you think that they should have if they were going to do hero bands start from the beginning um i feel like it's okay to have it like not there in the May melee just because like everybody's starting to get back into the flow of things. You kind of want teams and players to realize how it's like to be back on the big stage again. Um, so I feel like that's that's totally fine. But the way how they're doing the June Joust, it's like, you know, the, the heroes are gone for the whole tournament. So now it's like some some players are just like completely banned or not even allowed to play the game. Yeah, like super. Super. What are you gonna do? Put super on Genji? Yeah, I mean, I was not up for it. <laughs> anyway, so let's get into the results of this weekend. So, Friday we had two matches. The Paris Eternal lost to the Toronto Defiant one to three. The London Spitfire lost to the Florida Mayhem one to three as well. Uh, going on to Saturday. The Gongzhou Charge lost 1-3 to the Spark. The Shanghai Dragons 3-0'd the Hunters. The NYXL went 3-1 over the Fusion. The Paris Eternal 3-0'd the Washington Justice. The Houston Outlaws lost 1-3 to the Atlanta Reign. And the Toronto Defiant lost 0-3 to the Boston Uprising. Now looking at Sunday, the Shanghai Dragons lost 0-3 to the Hangzhou Spark. The New York XL lost 1-3 to the Gongzhou Charge. The Fusion lost 1-3 to the Chengdu Hunters. The Rain won 3-0 over the Spitfire. The Justice lost 0-3 to the Boston Uprising. And the Florida Mayhem lost 1-3 to the Houston Outlaws. So there, this was a really weird week. I did not expect a lot of these results. Like, uh... Like the fusion losing against the hunters is something that I never, I even with the hunters playing better now, I never would have thought they'd lose against the fusion. Yeah, there's been a couple of upsets that that I'm just like, okay, this this looks weird. Why? Uh, but one one thing that like the the fusion hunters match did have a tie. Uh, that's the joy of two CP, everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, um. It, it was pretty interesting to watch this week. I caught the um, I caught the NYXL versus Fusion match, and I caught the the Mayhem versus the Outlaws. All right, Kevin. So tell us about the NYXL versus the Fusion. Tell us how that went down, because that's I know that's one of the very highly anticipated matches of the week. Yeah, it was one match that like I was definitely looking forward to, and I thought honestly they they played quite well. Um, one of the things that at the end of the uh, original run on, um, well, on Lijong, right? The first map was um, Night Market. And when they went on Night Market, 
they were pretty much ninety nine ninety nine at like for a solid like maybe two or three minutes. Like everybody was just constantly coming back, contesting, flipping it. Um, and NYXL ended up taking it, and then they went to Control Center, and they just really had the control the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, so didn't really allow Philly to do too much, but it was a it was an interesting like first map, and that was one that I was like. Yeah, they're they're definitely rolling with steam at that point, and then we saw that again um, when they went to they went to Numbani. They were able to just really lock it down. They they went on their offense, pushed it all the way to the end really quick, um, and then Philly really didn't have an answer to to start themselves up on attack. So um, that was also a three zero in favor of the New York Excelsior. Um, mm-hmm. When it got to Rialto, it started getting a little. A little weirder. I have no other way of really explaining <laughs> it. Um, like something clicked in Carpe. Like Carpe, like he was like, okay, yeah, I'm tired of getting like not a single map win, and he just went off. Like he, he was just like, okay, I'm gonna flank. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a pick here. I'm gonna get two picks here. Um, in this match, by the way, in the New York Excelsior versus Philadelphia Fusion match, um, Carpe is the second player. To ever reach five thousand final blows, um, only behind Profit. So he he hit that milestone in this game, um, and it is something that's you know if you think about it, five thousand final blows. Like he's killing off the 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 final tick of five thousand people. That's that's kind of insane. <laughs> um, and yeah, just proves how how much push he had. Um, when it came to Volskaya, I was really sad when I saw Volskaya Industry. Um, it wasn't because like I was sad about the game in general. It was just like um, they they had a really solid hold on on the very first part. So we saw um, NYXL push. Um, they were they were hold they were held off quite long by the Philly Fusion, and then they eventually got the second tick at the end of regulation. When it came down to the Philadelphia Fusion's push, um, they couldn't get anything going. And the last thing that happened is, um, I think it was, let me just double check. Um, it was either Rascal or Carpe who was on the, um, on the Reaper, tried to TP on a point as, as the clock was going down. And you see literally the animation uh, for the one second. And by the time that he TP'd, it was just, just underneath the time of him fully materializing. So unfortunately they weren't able to contest and it ended up being like, no, I wouldn't say a full C9, but it was just kind of difficult for them to, mm-hmm. to lock that down. And that's how they lost. And I was like, uh, I'd, I would not want to lose by a fraction of a second because of, you know, a Reaper materialized um, deal, but they, they tried their best. New York XL was just, always on point they were figuring it out and the only time that they really had trouble was when like carpe decided to turn it on and he did quite a bit he was able to hold off uh quite a couple times on his own but like they couldn't really they didn't they never really had footing the philadelphia fusion never really had momentum moving into any of the other rounds so um nyxl was just really on their game and really took this to to the four map series that it really was Mm-hmm. So I caught Dragons v Spark, which I was fairly surprised that this was a uh, 
a 3-0 in favor of the Spark. Um, I feel like Fletter really was the only thing that the Dragons had going for them, which is surprising to say because typically, like, they have, it's Fletta, Lip, Boyd, League, Jagon, Izayaki. Like, they, this is a strong team. But just watching this match, I don't know if it's the new meta. I don't know if they're feeling cocky against the Spark. I don't know what it was, but... I mean, I think maybe it was just they were feeling cocky, but like Fletter really was the only thing that the Dragons had going for them. Um, and Shy, I haven't seen Shy play too much, but Shy was honestly playing close to the level of Fletter. Like I felt like Shy didn't do too much on the first round of Nepal on Shrine, but like as the as the rounds were going on, Shy was getting I think warming up and getting really good duplicates and really good kills. Um, I, I really feel like a lot of a lot of what happened here was just the difference in style as well. And on top of that, maybe possible hubris. Like the dragons really prefer a, a long range style. They're playing like McCree or Soldier 76 along with their Echo. Whereas um and, and they're like playing Mercies and Honest. So you, you have a little bit more of a ability to play distance. Whereas like if you're playing what the um the spark we're playing with like playing a, a reaper and a brigita instead like they're really pushing for that up close and personal fighting so they were able to get that so like with the closing of the distance the dragons healers weren't or not healers but the dragons um players weren't really able to be used that effectively um i think one of my favorite moments of this matchup is like i think it's just like them also maybe they're not used to the patch yet which I, I'm not, I don't think that's it. I think it's, again, the hubris, but on the, the Spark's second attack on Numbani, there's a point where Bernard is like hard staggered. He's he's out of his mech and the dragons are just hard staggering him, just bringing him up the staircase and not killing him. Bernard calls the mech down and he kills Lip. And then the, the dragons are like, okay, we can't let this person live. Now we have to kill him. So... I'm very glad that I finally got to see a mech kill. <laughs> you just just hit the button. Like sometimes it it's one of those things where when you're trained to you stagger the diva for so long, right? Your your mind and your body says stagger the diva. Don't like kill them as late as possible. Um, and then it's just you you leave them alone for too long, and then the mech comes down. That's just. It's a good, um, how could I describe it in the way how the Zoomers could understand? Um, when you hit them with a reverse Uno card, you know, that's exactly what it is. It's, uh, they, they think that they got you, and then uh, it's like call an ambulance, but not for me. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what's going on here. How long do you think it's going to take for the, the teams to outgrow that instinct that they've had for five years to stagger that diva? Yeah, it's going to be something that's going to take a lot of time to unlearn or either to unlearn or to just say, like, you can't stagger as hard as you want to anymore. You just have to mm -hmm. get the kill immediately. Yeah, this is going to be weird because, like, staggering Diva is so instinctual. But now, I mean, you still you still have some leeway to stagger as long as like you're not letting the Diva get too much ult charge. So it's that balance between staggering out and making sure that the diva doesn't get the remake kill. So moving on, I, I caught the outlaws versus the rain. 
Um, this is interesting because this is the first time that we're seeing Dreamer play for the Outlaws, and Dreamer is starting over um, Jangu, which I think... At first, I thought it was interesting, but then I thought about it. Like, maybe Jangu is not as comfortable playing dive as um, Dreamer is. Uh, they did lose this one three to zero, three to one. Um, it was a three to one loss. Um, I feel like the Outlaws just weren't comfortable with their dive. Maybe they weren't comfortable playing with Dreamer yet. Maybe Dreamer wasn't as confident in his play as he could be. Um, his dives were oftentimes not that effective. Dante had a really good game this this day, but it's just the team wasn't there with him at that point yet. Um, Crimzo did a lot of really good work with his Ana. Um, he was playing more Ana than Baptiste, and he got a lot of really good sleeps, a lot of really good um, uh, anti-nades. Happy had an occasional good play, but really this was the Dante show all day. Um, positioning was really big for the rain here like it, this is one of those instances where you really see the importance of the high ground like if you're looking at hollywood um on the uh the rain's defense they just kind of set up on top of the um on, on the second part of the the push on, on on the first part of the push after you take point a they just kind of set up on high ground and they never let um dreamer get a good dive so the outlaws were never really able to displace them and they they lost the push. So I think this loss does come down on top of like the rain playing fairly well. I think it comes down to Dreamer maybe not being as confident. Like you can really see a, a distinct difference in his play style where I feel like Jongu is a, a significantly more aggressive and riskier tank but he still really gets a lot of work done he knows how to play that well i felt like i don't know if it's nerves or just not being used to playing with the outlaws but like he plays very passively and very um it felt like he was a little bit hesitant to move in yeah it's that first game jitters it happens all the time it happens to the best of us where you want to do your job as best as you can uh you know what you got to do sometimes but uh, at the same time, you're you're worried about like, oh man, like, am I gonna let my team down? Like, how well do I mesh with these guys? Um, it takes a lot of time to to do that. So I was really surprised that they picked them up and instantly played them. So right, um, yeah, it, it was really interesting to see. I think that maybe just be the fact that the, we don't have a Reinhardt, and maybe maybe Jangu's not confident on his Winston. Because mm -hmm. I mean, you usually see Piggy playing that role. You'd see him playing the diva or the ball or the Winston, but I mean, we don't have we don't really have that that main tanking role right now for the Reinhardt. So I guess maybe they deferred to um, Dreamer for that. And so Kevin, you caught the second round of the Outlaws playing. Yes, I did. So uh, the second game with the Outlaws was them versus the Florida Mayhem, which I wanted to watch because you know uh, this is kind of. Yeah, it's not a full rematch of what happened during the May, 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 um, but you, you know what I mean. Uh, I just wanted to watch this match and see how well uh, both of the teams played. Um, the first map was Busan, um, and when I was watching this map in particular, um, we were watching BQB uh, play as well as he can. Once again, Dreamer was in um, this time around, but 
Um, it was BQB and OGE that really played Busan um, in this really like almost suffocating way where they, they would hop in on the back and then it, it was a full old school or like new school, what I would consider new school rush, where it's, you know, you use the Winston Diva um, to push in as quickly as possible. And then you, um, you use that space that you've taken in order to force the other team back into another DPS. So they were using like a Reaper and a, a Reaper and uh, Monkey Comp, and that's something that you don't really see as often. But um, they were able to make full use of that um, on the first on the first map, which was Mecha Base. The second one was Downtown, um, and on Downtown it was almost like the, they were competing for that point. Um, once again, it felt like it was another like minute, minute and a half uh, contest at the end, but they were able to edge them out. Um, and then move it on into Eichenwald. And when it got to Eichenwald, um, I felt like the Outlaws really turned it up. They were just like, okay, we got 2 0 there. And they pushed the cart with three, I think it was 315 remaining on the clock, um, all the way through Eichenwald. So I was like, they were on pace and they were just pushing through. And then on the defensive round, they didn't let them get anything. So um, overall, it was just really good play. Um, Dante had a couple of really good pickoffs, um, and we saw Jake in um, as a as a support to start on Eichenwald. Um, as we moved on into a bunch of other like other specific things here, um, the the push wasn't a record break, but it was still like really impressive. We saw Dante on uh, on Genji for half a second, which was really funny. Uh, in my opinion, they used it to just bait out as many ults as they could. Um, and yeah, it did end up getting him to the end. Like, even though he got super low and almost died, it was, uh, it was worth it. So a lot of really interesting plays. If you want to see how fast the outlaws can actually, um, apply pressure, that is a very good example. Um, so yeah, that, that was a good one. As we move on into Dorado, this was one that went all the way and then plus overtime. Um, the, the first time that they went through. Um, the, the mayhem played them quite well. They, they were able to apply a lot of pressure to happy, um, and not allow him to really like do what he wanted to do. Um, they, they dove him, they made sure that they were focusing him down as the echo. Um, and they just made it as difficult as possible for them. Um, when it flipped sides, it, they, they did pretty much the same thing as, uh, the, the outlaws just. Pretty much shoved it down the throat, didn't give him any space whatsoever. So when it did come down to the the map flip, um, the mayhem only had like a couple, like probably just the minute cap in order to push, and they got it under the bridge, which is really impressive, um, especially for like a almost two push only uh, ability to contest that. Um, but it was the time bank that really helped out the outlaws. They were able to really focus in and figure out how they wanted to play that out. Um, and then Temple of Anubis, uh, this, this is where, if you wanted to see some, some Jake rat, uh, he, he did some stuff here. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really fun to see Jake back on DPS and like, not just like, oh, I'm going to pocket somebody like I'm going to, I'm going to do my own thing. But no, he, he was actually out there, you know, he switched Reaper. He went like a couple times drunk just to contest choke. It was something that was a little refreshing to see it wasn't always the same meta and it was a lot of fun to watch so 
Um, the Outlaws end up taking that one as well, and that's how they end up closing out the series. So um, the defense coming out from the Outlaws on Temple of Anubis was actually... Um, there was just so much pressure. They didn't allow them to play that as well as they could. So um, overall, just a really solid game. And the Outlaws are just showing... Once they start feeling themselves and getting a lot of momentum, they can they can really start steamrolling over a couple teams that uh, you know uh, did them dirty in the main melee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw the first map of this before I ran out of time, but just the initial aggression from the mayhem is what I noticed. Like they didn't, especially on downtown. Like mm-hmm. they were really able to use that aggression and like their um. They're spacing and pairing up ults to make sure that the outlaws a lot of times didn't even get anywhere close to the to the point. Yeah, they they just wanted to apply pressure and it it worked as as much as they could. They pretty much just didn't allow them to breathe. Yeah. And it and it worked. It it worked out really well on um on Busan. So that's something that teams should take note of. It's just like they're hyper aggressive. They don't let them take space and that's that's how my coach trained us. It was like if there is space and it is safe to take, take it. Do not give them anything. And I was like, okay, this this feels like that that kind of game. It's just like we know where you're at. We're gonna go and shoot you now. <laughs> um, that, that's just how it worked. How did Dreamers play develop throughout the series? Because like, I mean, even initially on Busan, I still feel like he was a little bit hesitant. Still mm-hmm. not not really synergizing with the team as best as he could. Um, did that improve throughout the matchup? I mean, they won, so. I felt like he felt a little bit more comfortable moving on into later maps. It's just because I think at that point, he figured out his role in the Outlaws. It wasn't to just, like, um, the the way how, like, Dreamer is kind of put here is just, like, they they had to tell him, like, your goal, yes, is to protect the support, but also feel free to go and get a couple kills yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was at that point where he's just like, okay, I feel comfortable. I can do this. So um, we saw a little bit more aggressive play coming out from him uh, besides just, you know, okay, we, we protect here. We, we leave here. It's more uh, proactive in a way. And it, it worked out really well for the, for the outlaws. So next week's schedule, starting on Friday the 28th, or this week's schedule, why am I saying next week? That is in that is in two days as of time of recording. So the London Spitfire are going to be playing the Dallas Fuel. The Dallas Fuel are playing for the first time since their win in the May Melee. Um, the Los Angeles Gladiators will face the Vancouver Titans. Then moving on to Saturday, it's the Shanghai Dragons versus the LA Valiant. The NYXL versus the Seoul Dynasty. There's a rebroadcast of that. And you do get, correct me if I'm wrong, Kevin, but you do get Overwatch League points for um watching encores right i believe so okay so if you don't have anything to do just keep your stream on for there and earn more overwatch league tokens um so following the nyxl versus the dynasty we've got the outlaws versus the spitfire the san francisco shock versus the defiant and the atlanta rain versus the la gladiators now moving on to sunday we have the nyxl versus the valiant the soul dynasty versus the dragons Another rebroadcast of the X NYXL versus the Valiant. The Toronto Defiant are going to be facing the Houston Outlaws. The Titans are going to face the Rain. And the Dallas Fuel are going to be facing the San Francisco Shock. So there are some really, I think, 
high-powered matches coming up this weekend. Like, Thiel versus Shock should be a good one. I feel like the Dynasty and the Dragons should be entertaining. I'd like to also see how the Dallas Fuel look coming off of their win. This is this is going to be a really interesting week. Um, Dallas Fuel definitely have a target on their back. Um, they they know that hey they won the May melee, so if we can take them out, we can we we feel confident. Um, the New York Excelsior versus the Soul Dynasty, I feel like that's another really good match to look at, um, just to see what the pace is in the East. Um, I'm going to probably watch a couple of the shot games. I want to see how they do, um, and if they were able to kind of bounce back and use the time. Uh, off from the May Melee, or yeah, from the May Melee to in order to really click in here. And also, uh, what are they going to do when they can't play Super? Uh, how good is Super's bench warming, and how well is that going to affect the San Francisco Shock? Um, and yeah, another thing that I want to mention before I totally forgot to mention this in the news section, but um, who are you was picked up by the Shanghai Dragons. So we'll see if you know that old NYXL talent is going to help out on the Shanghai Dragons and if they're going to be able to really make a bigger push or the way how they're going to utilize uh, who are use, uh, I guess, hero pool. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's gameplay episode. Hope you, uh, hope you enjoyed the Overwatch this week. Tune into the news section as well. If you haven't already to hear about <laughs> all the changes coming to our game for Overwatch 2. Um, Thank you guys again and, and tune in next week. Adios. Next week, we continue our June Joust coverage and bring you more gaming and Overwatch news. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like what you hear, please like, rate, and subscribe to us on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on all social media at Believe in OWL. Questions or comments? Please send us an email at believeinowl at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise with our show, please contact our network at believe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.